A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome, everybody, to this week's exciting episode. What's going on here, then? Breakfast at Tiffany's? <laughs> yeah, it could be. Could be. <laughs> if you know the quote, you know it. I don't know it. Ah, so. yeah, if you know, you know. Well, well you, you, you're better than me, then. <laughs> I know there's a few listeners that will 100% definitely know that. I'm, yeah. look, I'm looking at Tony. <laughs> I was going to say, it's going to be everybody in your little group chat. <laughs> yeah, <isn't it>? yeah. <laughs> but no, there'll be other people. It's a, it, it went viral a couple of years ago from a video. So They'll know. Okay. They'll know. If you know, you know. Well, yeah, fair enough. If you know, you know. <laughs> you know more than me. No, no. Well, today's episode, I might do. You, you might. You, in fact... You, in fact, why don't you, you say what we're talking about today? Today we're doing the Enfield Poltergeist. Which is something that has been requested, I yep. think, several times. Um, now, yes, you may bring up stuff that I don't know today, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. Because I always get this one and 30 East Drive mixed up. Because mm. they both wow. took part in the 70s, both happened to a little girl in the house. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think a lot of people would already know this story. I it's think they will. It's very popular. It's probably but, one of the most famous hauntings of the UK, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. So I always thought it was the Enfield haunting, but apparently it's the Enfield poltergeist. It, it can be whatever you want to present it as. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I've done both. The Enfield haunting slash poltergeist. <laughs> well, there we go. There's a good title, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we might as well uh, yeah dive into it. Oh, just one thing. Mm. What is it with ghosts and like underage girls? <laughs> well, my friend, I won't say you've got it in my head yet, <laughs> but I might have an explanation for that at the end. Okay. Yeah, there was a study done, so I'll I'll go into it. Fair but enough. it's it's quite interesting. Some people would say it's a load of hoggle posh, but <laughs> right, I, I don't know. There could be some elements of truth, but that does come back into it. Fair enough. Okay. So yeah, yeah, keep no keep hold yeah. of that thought because. Yeah, that's well, that's interesting. Well, I've got my London bandana on. Oh yes, Enfield is in London. I thought I'd support the cause. Yep. So let's uh, let's go dive in. Let's dive in. So, in 1977 in Enfield, London, Peggy Hodgson was a 47-year-old mother of four, 
living in social housing with her two daughters, Janet, aged 11, Margaret, aged 13, and her two sons, Johnny, 10, and Billy, 7. Shortly before the incidents began, Peggy's husband had left her for another woman. Ooh. Not good. There's already tension in the household then. There is, yeah. Really? And that also may come back into it, depending on how I you... I thought it might. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, just like many divorces, this was extremely upsetting for Peggy and the children, but they wore... They were, sorry, doing their best to move on and enjoy their lives until the poltergeist activity began. Ooh. And how long, I don't suppose you probably actually know, how long after the, the, the separation this happened? I think I read it was a matter of weeks. It oh, not long at all then? No, not okay. long at all. It's... But they didn't move house or anything like that. It was, still, it was in the same place that they'd always been. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So in August of 77, Peggy called the Metropolitan Police to her rented home at 284 Green Street, saying she had witnessed furniture moving and that two of her four children had heard knocking sounds on the walls. A police constable reported witnessing a chair wobble and slide, but could not determine the cause of movement. Later claims included disembodied voices loud noises, thrown objects, mainly toys, right. uh, overturned furniture, and children levitating. And this was all over a period of 18 months. More than 30 people, including the neighbours, passers-by, investigators, police, and journalists, said they had witnessed several weird and spooky things happening in the house. Yeah. Well, I think I would imagine that everybody is familiar with that Famous picture of the levitating girl. Mm. Or t- <laughs> yeah. is there like two or three pictures like that? I, I can remember mm-hmm. definitely one. Yeah, there's two real famous ones. Yeah. Um, but they, they took several. Um, but I don't know. I, yeah, I've, I've seen the pictures a few times. Obviously, I'm not a, like a photo, photographic analyst or anything like that. I couldn't tell you whether, whether they were genuine or, or, or hoaxed, faked, or. It's, it's weird. Or whether it's just a bit of trick photography, who knows? We'll get into that. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll hold that because uh, I've got some of my own thoughts as well okay, on the yeah, camera. Because cool. we briefly spoke about the movement of of the camera and things, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyone can Google the Enfield Poltergeist levitating girl, Janet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll see it and. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it'll, it's, be, it'll be all over Google Images. It's so. really not that spooky if people no. are worried about getting scared. So. No, it's not. It's not like Thirty East Drive. You don't get like shadows in the doorway or anything like that. No. With this one, do you? There's there's no sort of apparition. It's just literally a girl in the middle of the air floating. Yeah. <laughs> so one night, Janet and Margaret complained about their bed shaking, while Peggy had heard strange noises as if someone was dragging their feet along the floor. That night, with her four children, Peggy went next door to her neighbour's home, asking for help. Vic Nottingham, a former builder, and his son Gary, went back with Peggy to have a look at the home and investigate, to try and put the family at ease and possibly explain where or what the noises were. Vic and Gary heard the same knocking sounds, but even with Vic's experience in the construction industry and working with old homes himself, he couldn't explain the sounds or where they were coming from. Suspecting someone was playing a prank, 
Nottingham called the police at 1am. Two officers arrived at the house and checked everywhere to find the source of the noises. They checked outside, all of the rooms, behind the walls, the pipes, but they found nothing. Then standing there in the living room, one officer looked at a chair to see it was moving side to side and then suddenly slid across the floor toward the kitchen wall. It moved three to four feet and then stopped. So that's that's a policewoman saying seeing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, you'd think it would be a credible source, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing that keeps popping up where I'm, I'm kind of torn. Um, obviously, we will get into it, but there's so many witness accounts yeah. um, from all kinds of places. So police, journalists, and everything. And at some point, you got to say, are they all lying? Are they all have they all seen well, something? Who knows. So in early September, Peggy made a phone call to the English newspaper, The Daily Mirror, explaining what was happening in their home. The newspaper sent a senior reporter, George Fallows, and photographer David Thorpe. Fallows was sceptical at first, thinking Peggy might be looking for a new and improved home from the council. However, both men witnessed similar activity. The old poltergeist trick. (laughs) It'll get me moved. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, it's not a bad way it's not, to... It's quite, quite a cheeky little trick, that. <laughs> <laughs> My house is haunted. <laughs> I need a different one. <laughs> yeah. It didn't work. But... No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thorpe was struck on the eyebrow with a Lego brick and in, right. in, in, in the face as well. Well, we all know how bad they can be to stand on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> hitting one in the eyebrow is not going to be pleasant either, is it? No, and uh, according to sources, it was quite a, a violent throw. Even yeah. though they were Lego bricks and small toys and things, yeah, yeah. Um, it was never throwing knives or anything dangerous. It was always what was in the living room or in the right. in the girl's bedroom. Um, it was thrown with some force. Fair play. Um, so, but while they were unable to successfully capture anything on film. Fallows felt that this could not be a prank as the children were all with their mother in the same room. Well, and he was in a different room. No, no, they were all They, they were, were all, together. all together in the same room. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so he's got his eyes on it. So if any of them had done it, he would have been... He'd, he would he'd have seen, seen it. Because yeah, there's yeah. two of them. Obviously, the, the family's there. Um, but he was also very sceptical. So he was looking for things and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. keeping his eyes on the on the family, thinking that they were pranking him. Yeah, yeah, um, fair enough. It might but, be the ghost of Harry Price, remember from Bawley Rackery? <laughs> oh, yeah, with his pebbles. Flicking his pebbles pockets. at people. <laughs> yeah. But no, he confirms that he, he doesn't think the children are involved or anything. They were all in the same room. And even when they went to a another room, say it was uh, both of them, Thorpe and uh, Fallows. Yeah. If it was, um, say, just the mother in the room, stuff was still happening. But okay. obviously, the, the, to throw things, the kids would have to be in the room. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, supposedly they, they did see some activity. So, Fallows actually suggested they contact the Society for Psychical Research. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was going to mess up on that as well. Um, and was put in touch with Morris Gross, a member of the society. Gross came to the house and instantly noticed how scared and frightened the family were. After witnessing another chair move, he decided to stay. On September 10th, the Daily Mirror ran the story under the headline, The House of Strange Happenings. 
Other news outlets then became interested. A BBC reporter called Ros Morris was sent to cover the case and with Gross spent the night in the home witnessing moving chairs again, knocking on the walls, toys and kitchen cutlery being thrown and boxes being hurled across the room. Oh, interesting night they had then. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think the BBC reporter was actually meant to stay, but they actually decided, no, I actually want to see what's what's going on here. Oh, they were invested in it then, yeah. Mm. That's good. So one night, Thorpe and Gross rigged up a camera in the girls' room to see if they could capture anything, as this room, as well as the living room, was said to have the most activity. Right, yeah. So there is... Where the, the teenagers were. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, so because you was, say Margaret was 13 and Janet was, was 11. 11. So, well, you're not quite a teenager, but, you know, yeah. So this is where it's the... I see different reports online. Um, majority of reports say that the, the living room was the one with most of the activity. Okay. Other reports say it was the girls' bedroom that had most of the activity, where right. the levitating and things were. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Because of different reports, I'm just going to say both of them were just as haunted as, as each other. Yeah, well, let's say, <laughs> uh, well, let's, I'm, I'm guessing on this. Maybe um, the living room had the more frequency of activity. Mm -hmm. um, the bedroom possibly had the more sensational activity. Obviously, because, you know, levitating girls, that's, that's quite sensational, isn't it? If, yes. it? if it is genuine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's put it that way then. Yeah, living, yeah. living room, more, bedroom, more intense. Yes, yeah, we'll go with that. They were shocked to find the camera had captured images that seemed to show Janet being aggressively thrown from her bed, and the activity became increasingly violent, especially towards the youngest daughter, Janet. She was the one that had most of the activity. Yeah, yeah. The, the two sons don't really come into it. They're obviously scared and frightened, but they don't really seem to have anything happen to them. It no. just seems to be... The, the two daughters, but mainly Janet, the youngest. I'm trying to think from that, like a BBC series or something like that that did the Enfield Haunting, and i don't not even sure if they in, even included the, the two sons in the family. Yeah, like, it's, it's odd. Yeah. Uh, one of the sons actually um, passed away at the age of 14. Oh, I read. Um, R.I.P. Yeah, I think, it, I'm pretty sure it was Johnny. So he was 10 when this was happening. Right. And I'm pretty sure he passed away when he was 14. So, and the, I'll all ju also just mention the camera took pictures every 15 seconds. On, on a so, time lapse? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. So then it starts to pick up and Janet's behaviour started to change. She became very angry. She would swear and curse a lot more than usual uh, and even had to be restrained on occasion. Mm. Um, and also she's, she's very softly spoken and very like polite as well, Janet. So um, the, the fact that they're mentioning that she's swearing and cursing a lot more is really out of character for her, for an 11-year-old. That is uh, kind of telltale signs of, of a possession, isn't it? Yes. A classic sort of possession. Mm -hmm. um, we covered that in uh, on the Halloween episode where I did the, uh, the original story of The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. That's how that kind of started. It was a little boy rather than a little girl, but yeah, he just yeah became a different personality almost. You know, like you say, angry, uncooperative, mm. aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she would actually switch the behaviour. It was almost like bipolar. It, it would just it, there was a, a switch. Yeah, and she'd go from being angry and swearing and almost like a different person, 
and then you could say her name and she'd be right back to hello I'm back to Janet again <laughs> so it was it's, it's weird seeing the vi- there's videos of it accent, though. <laughs> <laughs> there's some good videos of it and things um, so one morning a neighbour uh, walking by looked up to see Janet floating above the bed and hitting the window Gross could not explain it and wondered if whatever was haunting this family could communicate Ooh, get the Ouija board out so well they should have done I don't know. Oh, did they not do that? No, no. That would have been the obvious thing, wouldn't it? <laughs> if you want to try and communicate, it's like 101. <laughs> I think they just tried speaking to it. Oh, right, okay. Sure. So Gross set up a recording equipment, set up recording, not a recording equipment, and began to ask questions. Oh, okay, so they're trying to get like white noise answers. Um, what is it, EVP? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he set up recording equipment and began to ask questions. At first they were answered by knocks, but eventually a low, rough voice began to reply through Janet. Everyone who heard it thought Janet was playing a prank at first, but the rough, graveled voice and tone seemed very unlikely for an 11-year-old girl. And I've seen the video of the uh, journalist investigator person um, kind of chasing up on this, because a lot of people were like, ah, she was just putting the voice on. Uh, supposedly they did some tests and said it was virtually impossible for Janet to do that voice for so long at at the frequency it is. And you can see these these videos on YouTube and wherever, social media. Okay, yeah. Um, And it it does actually sound pretty freaky. Yeah. And you you see her switch between her normal voice, which is an 11-year-old girl, high and squeaky. squeaky. Yeah, yeah. And this voice is really like demonic, and it's quite horrifying. It's it's not very nice at all. It's saying very unnatural for an yeah. actual eleven year old girl. Yeah. And she said when um, the the voice was coming out of her, she doesn't really remember it. She almost blacks out. Okay. But what she does remember and what she feels is someone behind her, almost like telling her what to what to okay. say or, or yeah, going yeah, through yeah, yeah. but she felt presence behind her is what Janet kept saying in, in interviews afterwards fair enough yeah so I urge everyone to go watch that video so the voice was angry with more cursing and swear words then named himself Bill it described how he had died of a brain hemorrhage in the armchair of the house in the living room ah Gross discovered that... Someone killed Bill. (laughs) Yeah, killed Bill, yeah. (laughs) Gross discovered that a man called Bill Wilkins had lived and died in the house. His son later on confirmed that that was exactly how his father died, in the exact placement, in the exact room. Ah, okay. And supposedly Jan... So how did did we find out that the voice was called Bill? Um, Janet said... Janet said, like, that, oh, okay, my name is he's Bill. He's kind of speaking and saying, oh, I'm So he Bill. actually told them how he died and where he died. And, yeah, yeah, so it was all coming out name. through Janet saying okay. what had happened to this Bill Wilkins. And there was no way of Janet knowing this story. No, if, no, there wouldn't like, be. An 11-year-old no, girl in 1977, you'd have to go to some kind of public archives to find out that information. I very yeah. much doubt she had the, the, the get-together to actually do that. Yeah, just, just to pull off a hoax, you know, and that's that's the one bit of evidence that makes me think like, oh, maybe there is some sort of weird truth behind this. Is 
how would she know the story unless she was directly told randomly by yeah. someone or a neighbour? But I, I can't see with all of this stuff going on and them saying that they're getting haunted. I don't, I don't see how or why she would just suddenly come out with this. No. Um, but then you said that the the son of this Bill, um, yeah, confirmed yeah. that that's that's how he spoke. He, yep. he, he was a cursor. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah, and, and there'd probably like uh, certain f- words or phrases that he would use that Janet might have. Um, yes, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So everything that um, Bill said through Janet, ev- the whole story, the way he spoke, everything, like you just said, his son has said that that's my dad. Yeah. That is exactly what he would say, do. That's how he died. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. at this point, they were all like, "Oh, this is actually pretty freaky." Well, it is. Yeah. You know, it's building up quite a case. Mm -hmm. So in July 1978, Janet was admitted to hospital for tests, but she was deemed to be physically and mentally normal. As the family's stress diminished, so too did the hauntings. Janet and her siblings went on to live normal lives, and Peggy remained in the home until her death in 2003. Morris Gross and newspapers called it a real-life mystery. So, yeah. I don't mean fair play to her for staying in the house. I mean, mm. they the they said the same about Thirty East Drive. You know, the woman, the the, the family that they lived there, the, the mother of the children, and that. Um, she was like, "Nope, I ain't moving out of my house. It's gonna mm. have to go instead of me." You know, and carried that on for years and years and years until well, whatever happened there. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, fair play to them for putting up with that. Yeah, this went on for eighteen months as well. Yeah. The whole start to finish, all the hauntings. Was... That's nothing, mate. I lived in a haunted house for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> all right, it wasn't as regular as that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you need to get hold of BBC and they can do a documentary on your haunted house. Well, I don't live there anymore, so they'd have to get the permission <laughs> from somebody else, wouldn't they? <laughs> but that is pretty much the story of Enfield. There's right. not else like there's nothing really to it apart from what i've just said uh Fair 18 I mean, months it's quite compelling though yeah yeah i mean i've got some um other little bits of information so i can go through the the little bit of debunking kind of Ooh, thing okay we've got some debunking okay so while there were plenty of eyewitnesses to the paranormal activity there has been doubt cast on the photographic evidence yeah, okay, yeah, I can see that. So the images of Janet supposedly being thrown from and levitating above her bed were never actually witnessed in person. Because it was, it was set up on a time lapse. It was a rigged camera. Yeah. So the, the, because the photos were taken remotely, some have suggested that Janet could just be jumping from the bed. It's a possibility. And she's worked out that it's a 15-second It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Timer and it, you know, she's just jumping. Well, you'd hear, hear those old kind of cameras. It would be an old film camera, mm. wouldn't it? It wouldn't be like a digital camera like we got these days. Yeah. You would literally hear it going... As it winds yeah. onto the next piece of film, so you'd know exactly. Yeah, all you got to do is count the seconds, and mm-hmm. and you'd know when the next shot was going to be taken. So yeah, potentially she could have figured that out, and she could, like you say, have faked it. Yeah, but then as we said, the only thing that confuses me there was there's there's no motion. You know, no motion you blur in those pictures. No, and it's, it's like she's floating slowly across. Like you said that she was thrown across the room. Yeah. When I looked at the pictures, it almost looks like she's just moving slowly, like mm-hmm. levitating slowly across the room. Not yeah. not like she's hurtling across. But even even still, there would. It's weird because there would still be some sort of movement, you would think, if she's being thrown or getting moved. But the the picture is her dead still. <laughs> and I guess it, she's it, off the floor. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's down to the shutter speed as well, I suppose, isn't it? I'm not a photographer, mm. so I, I, I don't really know mm. how to do all this sort of stuff. I know, like, back in the 1970s, there was ways of doing trick photography, you know, double exposures and that sort of stuff. But, I mean... Mm. I don't know how you really do all that sort of thing or, or how, you, how you'd um, professionally assess those photos. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Which is something that surely has been done, have they? Uh, yes. No, they did have people look at the photos. And say that they were genuine photos. They seem to think it's genuine. So yeah. however, however that girl is floating through the air mm. is, is not from a f- falsified photo. No, it's definitely not falsified photos. The only other thing that adds into that theory of she could be jumping from the bed and it's perfectly timed is it turns out Janet was a gymnastic champion at school. Okay, right, fair enough. And one of the photos, the pose, looks very gymnastic. Gymnastic Gymnastic (laughs) Gymnastic-y. That's a good word. (laughs) Yeah, so that's just one kind of thing where people are like, I don't know, I'm not too sure. Um, that's that's just kind of the kind of thing that seeds doubt into something that could be genuine, though, as mm-hmm. well, isn't it? But to be honest with you, that is the pretty much the only thing that people can kind of go by to try and debunk it. That I've not seen anything else where people are like, oh, well, it must be fake because of this. It's only those those, those photos, photographs. like all of the eyewitnesses, the police, the neighbours, everyone, still to this day stand by what they saw. They right, have this yeah. on police record. Yeah. Um, so I've got. Do you remember you said about why is it always teenage girls? Yes. Yeah. Like go that? on then. Yeah. So this is going to be a mouthful, but bear with me. And I laughed when I read this because I don't know how much I believe it. But here we go. So in 2008, physicists Piero Brovetto and Vera Maxia published a paper in which they argued that pubescent children, mainly found in girls, generate poltergeist activity by channeling energy into the quantum mechanical vacuum. Brovetto and Maxia maintained that during puberty, alterations to the body create electron activity that can bring on disturbances as far as a few feet around the outside of the brain. 
These fluctuations enhance virtual particles around the person which increase the air pressure surrounding them. This could, in theory, be responsible for moving objects. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no. I know. I kind of felt the same when I read yeah. it. And I was like, well, I'll add it in anyway, because it's one explanation that is possible. I think the idea, I mean, and this is not a new theory, but the idea of, like you say, um, teenagers, pubescent uh, children, adolescents, um, because of their elevated uh, brain activity, you know, the, the changes that's going on in them, particularly uh, mixed with the stress that could be in their lives, mm -hmm. that sort of thing, um, it, the theories have been uh, brought forward that um, it could elevate what we call psychokinetic energy, you know, like telekinesis. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, even if it's involuntary, I mean, everybody loved to have the ability to just go boop, pick that chair up, move it over there with the power of my mind and put it back down. You know, that's not how it works, though. You know, mm. this energy just kind of spikes and it strikes at something. And, and maybe that's why Lego bricks and small items and stuff like that just get randomly thrown. Mm -hmm. And um, it might also explain why sometimes it's it, it, these objects are aimed at people like you said that guy got hit in the eyebrow mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just people witnessing things flying off in a random direction so you're saying there could be some truth to this statement then this study N not that study <laughs> a different study <laughs> uh, but well to be honest i don't know because they meant them mentioned was it quantum uh, quantum mechanical vacuum. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what that is. So, uh, we haven't got time for me to explain it. So, <laughs> oh, you, we, we, have you researched that? No, no, I don't think you had. <laughs> no, um, no, but no, no, like the psychokinetic energy is a different thing to like any kind of quantum mechanics. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's like we we said um, in the the DMT episode. Like, what what would the human brain be capable of if you could mm. use more of it? And yeah, yeah. in stressful situations with teenagers, uh, adolescents, sometimes y you do find these things sort of weird, random things happening. Yeah. And may maybe that is the source of it all. But you've still got the voice of Bill mm -hmm. explaining how he died, where he died. Yeah. And it's confirmed by his son. So. That's what I mean. I That's why know. I'm so 50-50. I have got a little information, bit of information here on The Conjuring 2, if anyone has seen The Conjuring 2. That I, is, I have not. That is based on this whole story. It's, okay. it's retelling the story. Loosely based, I'll, I'll, I'll guess. Well, I'm not very happy. Oh. Because The Conjuring 2 shows Ed and Lorraine Warren. Everyone knows them. Yeah. They're the, the two investigators that are in a lot of investigations that... Yeah. Have their two cents, and they're almost like they're, they're, a credibility. Aren't they the members of the SPR, the Society yeah. of Psychical Research. Yeah, but they're like they seem to be the two people that, if they turn up, they've got credibility. So everybody thinks, oh, this is definitely haunted, or this there's something right. going on here because Ed and Lorraine Warren are here. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. legit. I'm not very happy about this, mate, and I'm going to tell you why. So. Conjuring 2 shows Ed and Lorraine Warren being incredibly involved in the case of the Enfield Poltergeist House. But this is extremely misleading. Oh. Guy Playfair, one of the investigators on the case, 
said that the Warrens turned up to the Enfield house uninvited and stayed for just one day. Ed Warren then said to Playfair, a lot of money could be made from this case, which is why the Warrens themselves tried to do their own investigation. They, uh, Separate from the SPR? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but... So the, the, yeah, that, that's pretty dodgy, isn't it? I'm guessing that, that yeah, yeah. they were just trying to cash in on it. They were indeed. Much like Harry Price again. <laughs> but I'm not very happy with the fact that The Conjuring 2... Um, they exaggerate the actual story of this. And yeah, because it just seems like a fairly normal haunting, to be honest. Yeah, like there's upside-down crosses that spin on the wall and stuff, and none of that actually happened. Right. And then, like I said, the Warrens weren't that involved at all. They turned up for a day, said some stuff, and was like, right, see you later then, and they went Disappeared off. And... But the whole Conjuring 2 film, they're like some of the main characters in it. And it's just, it's not right. So are the Warrens the people that did the, the SPR report then? Well, on this case? Yeah, yeah. If they're part of that crew, I, I imagine so. But okay. they were they were uninvited. But, they, but they, they didn't go back to the house to do their investigation. They they just no. turned up the once yeah. and went, we can make money off of this. And Stayed then for that ca- period. Did what, yeah. the rest of their investigation completely isolated from the, the the where it happened? No, they literally did it all in one day. So they turned up so that money could be made here, st- stuck around, tried investigating it. And because people weren't really interested in them, because... This had been going on for 18 months. Yeah, yeah, They yeah. showed up towards like the end or whatever. And I just think people weren't that bothered by them. They were like, you, what you're are you doing late, here? Mate, yeah. yeah, like, you're not just going to come here and try and get money Jump out of on this a different poor girl. Train. Yeah. Mm. So I don't think they were impressed by the Warrens, the, no, the, the family. Um, but Janet and the siblings still to this day stand by what happened to their family. Um, the only thing I will say is I mentioned it to you. Janet, in a later interview, has said that over the 18 months, the amount of people... This was when she had, like, grown up. Yeah, she was, like, I think she was, like, late 30s, early 40s. Right. Um, She has said the amount of people that were in the house, the amount of newspapers, cameras, everyone, just, she, there was never any alone time. She, she quotes and says, I may have exaggerated and made up about 2% of what happened. Uh, but uh, it doesn't sound great. No. But I can I can kind of put myself in that frame of mind. And if <laughs> that sounds so weird because I'm about to say, if I'm an 11-year-old girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> with a beard. <laughs> with a beard and tattoos, yeah. She... I imagine she's doing it for her own entertainment. Like, you've got 18 months of people in and out of your house every single day near enough. I imagine you are going to love the attention as an 11-year-old girl, and you are going to play up a little bit. For a little while, yeah. Um, so but she, keeping up a charade like that for mm. 18 months, a year and a half, yeah. as an 11-year-old kid, mm. I think that's happening. Which is why I think she said only about 2%. Yeah. yeah. Like I say, I could understand that she, if she embellished on it a little bit for like a couple of weeks. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But then even if it's still happening to you, mm-hmm. you're just going to get fed up of it happening. Yeah. And with more and more people coming in your house, I mean, you, you just want to kind of want it to end really, mm-hmm. aren't you? Yeah. And the the last thing I'll touch on because we're pretty much at the end of this whole story, Yeah, is 
not only have I said that Janet, the siblings, the mother and everyone, all the witnesses, they all believe it. They're fully yeah. on board. They stand by it. Another family has moved in to the house since. Yeah. And they've not had any hauntings, poltergeist activity or anything. So my conclusion, and this is just me before we do the, the paranormality scale. Yeah. I think it has something to do with the divorce and the trauma on the children. And yeah, yeah, yeah. something being created, whether it's mental, I, I, I'm not too sure. I, I, it's weird because I do think there is some truth behind it, like the, the son confirmed about yeah, the yeah, dad, yeah. all the witness statements. So I, I do think it is true, but maybe this haunting and this activity was specific to the family because of the trauma. Because of that, yeah. And th that's kind of what I was trying to touch on with the psychokinetic activity mm -hmm. rather than the quantum mechanics. <laughs> is that, um, yeah, generally, it, particularly with teenagers, when they are at particularly stressful times of their life, like you say, divorce and that sort of thing, um, their emotions are running high, you know, uh, uh, and that is when you do tend to see these mm. elevated levels of like psychokinetic activity yeah. and it can be attributed to poltergeists where there is no poltergeist mm -hmm. but again there's that voice yeah and that's 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 swaying me that one is man um, i think that's why it's so polarizing yeah like it, i'm literally split on it 50 50 because hey. there's information there that i say well that doesn't seem made up it seems quite legit and if you didn't have so many witnesses seeing so much of this, I would be more in going the other way, saying, I think it's fake, I think it's made yeah, up. Yeah. But not just one policewoman. There were several police officers, yeah, journalists, yeah, yeah, yeah. just all kinds, like neighbours. Like Someone walked by, like a passerby walked by and something was getting thrown at the window. And yes, you can say there was probably someone stood in the bedroom throwing stuff <laughs> at the window. But the activity seemed to be quite constant for 18 months. And just this sheer amount of witnesses in the house seeing it with their own eyes. Like, the, the main thing that they kept saying, a lot of these people, was the furniture, the chairs, yeah, yeah, the chest yeah. of drawers, the, the cabinets. They're moving three to four feet, and they're all in the room watching it. There's no one behind it pushing it. There's no fishing line pulling it. No. They're all there witnessing themselves. So there's things like that that are happening. Like, oh, well, this has to be truth. But then I, I'm not too sure because you've got the other things there where it's Janet has said, I exaggerated 2% of it. Ah, there's divorce there with the, with the yeah, trauma. It's a difficult I'm, one. I'm so polarized on it. But that is uh, but maybe... Also, mm. I just w want to s say is, obviously, we're not the first people to cover this, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, well, yeah. obviously. And everybody who has tried investigating this has not been able to 100% debunk it. No, I don't think you can. No. It's... Uh, Which it's I of, think it's quite compelling. It's what, one of England's most famous cases, and I think that's probably why. It's because yeah. you just can't fully debunk it anyway no but yeah it's the it's the voice for me like i urge everyone to go watch the video see the photos make up your own mind we're just reporting it yeah but that's well, all i got on it on, on the scale to be honest I, i'm actually going to go fairly high on this one i i do believe that it, it could could have been like a genuine haunting mm -hmm. that that happened because of the stress that was on that family at that particular time yeah 
Um, I'm going to give it an 8.7. Wow, that is high. I did not think you were going to go that high with it. Mate, I believe in ghosts. I lived with, lived with one for 15 years. Okay. Um, well, I'm not going to go as high. I didn't expect you to. No, I, I, do, I do somewhat believe it, but because I'm split down the middle, I think I've got to give it a fair average score. Right. So I'm going to give it a 6.9. Well, that's higher than I thought you'd go. <laughs> I think that's fair. I, I thought you was going to go like six point two or something. No, no, because I do. I got to give it respect as well for being one of the oldest classic stories of Poltergeist activity for the UK, anyway. Um, so no, I'll give it a six point nine. Okay, cool. Because the voice has swayed me, but I don't know. I d- and what, what did I say? Eight point seven. Eight point seven. Yeah. All right. Uh, give me a second. <laughs> I think that gives us a 7.8 average. I think. I'm <laughs> not sure. I'll go, I'll go for your word. Yeah, I'll take it. Let's just call it a 7.8 average anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's good. Decent. Yeah. That en- is Enfield Haunting. That is the Enfield Poltergeist. So if anyone else has any information that I've missed, then please let us know. I'm sure there will be a couple of people... Um, write massive long comments on YouTube. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, well well presented, mate. Well researched, well presented. I, I, I think I believe in it. I, I do. Um, I know there are different takes on the story that have mm-hmm. been presented on different media. Everybody has their own outcome or conclusion, but I, I don't think there is a proper conclusion that you can draw from it. I, th- I think it's a, a strong case of, of a genuine haunting, to be honest. Yeah, I'm swaying more that way. I am swaying that way, but I don't know. I'm, There's always I'm, seeds of doubt with you. There, there is. I'm just a little bit more sceptic. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing, man, because... I feel like since doing the podcast, I have opened my mind a lot more to a lot more different things. And yeah. certain things before but, that I would say is far-fetched aren't that far-fetched to me anymore. But, but you're when still it, on the fence when it comes to ghosts a lot of the time, aren't you? Yeah. Even with aliens, to some respect, like, I really want to see it with my own eyes. Well, um, an alien. Either. So alien, I, ghosts, I think everybody whatever. does. <laughs> yeah. But, and I have got some spooky stories and stuff, but... I I don't know. I just, I'm so yeah. I'm just one of them people that I just want. I want to see something with my own eyes, and then yeah, I can go, bit... yeah, that's hundred percent true. Like with everything that we study and research, some things I might believe more than others, yeah. and I might my mind's still open to it. But there's always at least that one or two percent of me that has doubt with most yeah. things, and. You like to I keep your feet know. firmly on the ground, don't you? Yeah. And your head out of the clouds. Some of it I find so scary to think about as well. My, I'm an ostrich and I just want to bury my head. And, oh, no, I can't But think this about story that. didn't do that to you, though, did it? No, no. I thought this was Not actually... like 30 East Drive when we covered that. You yeah, no. You get goosebumps over that, weren't Yeah, you? the photos in that as well. I didn't like seeing the shadows and like you can see like legs and arms forming. Rosary and beads. Yeah. yeah. With this, the the photographic evidence and the the voice and stuff, it's kind of creepy. It's less alarming though. Yeah, yeah, it's not a real, real scary thing for me. I was like, it's kind of a standard haunting in a way. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let us know uh, what you think. Uh, Do you believe that the Enfield haunting was a genuine haunting, or do you think uh, that it was just a, a very clever 
cleverly concocted hoax. I'm not entirely sure how they, yeah. <laughs> they would hoax all of that, mm. all of that activity. Um, but yeah, let us know, paranormality.uk at gmail.com. Or you can join our Discord or whatever, however you'd like to get in contact with us. You, I've said it plenty of times. Mm. Um, if you'd like to send in your own ghost stories, please do. We're always uh, happy to receive uh, people's creepy mm. stories. And sometimes we even um, uh, relay them on our yes. podcast yeah, when, yeah. when we do the occasional uh, No Subject mm. podcast. So if you want to be featured on one of those, yeah. go ahead. Let us know. I'd like to quickly ask the listeners for one favour. One favour. One small, tiny favour. It won't okay, it this, take... This is our one call to action. One call to action. It takes five to ten seconds. If everybody listening just texts or messages one friend or family member yeah about this podcast maybe we can we can we, get some more listeners and we some would. more f- we people would. If, if everybody just literally texted their best friend and said hey i've listened to this podcast i reckon it's good you'd probably enjoy it mm. i'd give it a go that's l- literally doubled our downloads yeah and we want more people to get involved. And not everybody's going to do it, but we're going to try and encourage everybody to do it. Yeah. Please do it. Please. Right now, get your phone out. Well, you're probably already listening to this on your phone. So end the episode <laughs> and then send that text. Yeah, because we just want to extend our paranormal family and uh, yeah, get this thing bigger. And yeah, we want to tell more spooky, weird stories and strange conspiracy theories. And we don't want to stop. And in right. order for us to not stop... We have to get bigger, and we have to get more listeners and more downloads. So there that, we go. That's, that's the goal. Yes. So that's the port of call for this week. Yeah. <laughs> and until next week, I've been Pirate. I'm Josh. This has been Paranormality UK. Ta-ta. Ta-ta. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365 day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.